Hello and welcome to QPod, QIC's Investor Insight podcast series. I'm Alison Hill, State Chief Investment Officer at QIC, and each week we invite our listeners to take 10 and to get an update on economics, markets, and other topics of interest for institutional investors. Each podcast, I'm joined by QIC's Chief Economist, Dr. Matthew Peter. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Alison, and first time in a while we're both here in Brisbane, and, and what a day to be in Brisbane, hey, Alison? Absolutely. We've been blessed with the weather recently, that's for sure. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. <laughs> You're talking about economics. Um, and this week we saw the much away US CPI data. And pleasingly, it, it certainly showed some um, slowing down. I think it came out at an annual rate of 5% down from the previous 6%. So we're in the right direction. But broadly, it seemed to be in line with economists' expectations. But I did sort of read some commentary that underlying they seemed to be concerned about the persistence of some of the underlying core elements, which meant, I think, really that the markets ended up being largely flat. They're initially a little bit excited, and then they were probably a little bit pessimistic about the data, but overall sort of flat to flat. So Matthew, Question, are we ready to celebrate? Is the inflation genie back in the bottle or there's still some risks on the horizon and perhaps even more importantly, another rate rise to go or are we done? Well, Alison, before we get too excited and start declaring victory over inflation, I think the point that you made about the distinction between what's happening with the so-called headline inflation rate versus the core inflation rate, that's the key. Now, the headline inflation rate, that's the number that everyone sort of tends to focus on, the one that you said went from 6% to 5%. We sort of knew that's going to fall. We knew it was going to fall relatively sharply as energy and food prices fell. The thing about energy and food prices, though, Alison, is they're driven by supply-side factors, like, say, for energy, like what OPEC's doing with oil prices and food, what's happening with the weather and whatnot. Now, those drivers of those prices are largely out of the Fed's control, if you're thinking about what's important in terms of uh, monetary policy. Now, if you exclude those two items out of the calculation of inflation in the US, that's the so-called core inflation, it actually rose. And it, in, and in fact, was higher. It's now higher than headline inflation. So US core inflation is 5.6% at the moment annually versus that headline rate that you said at 5%. Now, what's driving those core prices, those prices of things like, you know, shelter, transport services, vehicles, clothing, medical care, that's all being driven by US domestic demand. And what it's telling you is those prices are going up. It's because domestic demand in the US is still really strong. And Mm -hmm. that's the problem for the Fed. And the Fed can do something about that because it's higher interest rates that hit demand. So, In terms of your last question, on terms of the forecast, are we done with the Fed? No. Uh, One more for the Fed, but then I think we're done. Okay. Interesting insights. Thanks, Matt. You're listening to Alison Hill and QIC's Take 10 podcast, where I'm discussing markets and economics with Dr. Matthew Peter. Matt, sort of outline, it was pretty uneventful overall in terms of markets for the response, you know, which which makes sense given the headline was consistent with forecasts. But one thing that continues to sort of play on my mind a bit is where there is a difference in views. We've got the Fed coming out saying quite clearly that, you know, it needs to think about inflation. It's, you know, it doesn't have any intentions to cut in the near future. But the market is clearly pricing in some cuts in the back end of 2023. And I think we're seeing that around the world a little bit. So it seems to be this question that everyone's like, inflation's done, it's peaked, we're, we're all over. But really the market's pricing and actually it's going to be a lot worse than that because the banks are going to need to be stimulative. I don't know, what's going on here with all of that sort of mixed messaging? Yeah, well, that that's the key insight at the moment. It's something that I know you're dealing with every day at QIC in terms of how you're positioning 
portfolio and, and trying to anticipate uh, monetary policy. And, you know, I must say that, you know, there is that dichotomy, you know, market pricing and cuts uh, by year end and and uh, economists not. Although having said that, the market is gradually coming closer, as it turns out, to um, the economists' forecasts. If you compare back to um, a month ago, nonetheless, that dichotomy still exists. You know, and for example, the market, although it's now pricing in a Fed hike at its next meeting, whereas it wasn't, um, it's still got 75 to 100 basis points worth of cuts by the first quarter of next year, whereas ourselves and other market commentators and the Fed are projecting maybe at best one cut by then or maybe none, right? So there's that dichotomy. So what's going on? Well, I think there's a couple of things. First of all, when I look at market expectations about inflation, it looks to me like they are more optimistic in terms of the pace at which inflation can fall. So if you look at market pricing for inflation, it's saying that inflation will be below the Fed's target in about a year's time. You know, it's it's pricing in something under uh, mm-hmm. around about 2% um, also. Whereas we and others see inflation still about a high, about a percentage point higher than that, around about 3%. So I think there's that differential in terms of inflation expectations. But generally speaking, I, I think really it can come back to the idea that when you look at the data on demand in the US economy, it's coming out much stronger than we or the market expected. And and you alluded to this in your comments, you know, in the question, this strength in demand is not just occurring in the US, it's occurring elsewhere in the world. And it's this strength in demand that is going to keep the central banks from cutting rates at the pace that's currently anticipated by markets, because that demand is is keeping that core inflation from falling at the same pace as the as the headline. Really interesting, Matt. And I think when you overlay that with your comments in relation to demand, I mean the demand is coming from the consumer. The consumer is being robust. And I think, you know, some of that makes sense in that there certainly was a build-up of savings over the COVID period and that's given consumers a little bit of resilience. But how long can that really last? I mean Positively for the consumer, we've got strong wage data generally, certainly got strong employment data. There was some very strong numbers out of Australia yesterday, for example, with unemployment rates still staying at 3.5% and an extra, I think, 53,000 jobs for the month. So really strong consumer, but yet we've got the market thinking, so strong consumer must be strong demand, which therefore would keep inflation up. But but we're seeing that you know the markets are thinking inflation is going to come down. So presumably, I think the consumer is going to roll over. How do we sort of put all that together, do you think? Yeah, well, I think you highlight the the key factors there. Firstly, on the positive side, let's say, for spending, you know, the number of people finding jobs that we've got, and as you alluded to, you know, that that incredible data that we got out on Wednesday in the labour market in Australia, and we also got relatively robust labour market data in the US as well last week. That means with more people finding jobs, that increases the incomes of those people and allows them to increase their spending. But on the other hand, as long as inflation's high and as long as interest rates are high, that's eroding the disposable incomes of households. And then that, of course, is putting downward pressure mm. on spending. Now, what what are the competing factors that are going on here? Well, firstly, as we ramp up our migration program, Alison, we may actually see employment growth remaining strong. Uh, as new people come in and get jobs. That is as long as employers are still willing to employ them. If they pick that sort of strength in employment growth going, though, I think you'd probably have to, it would have to be at the expense of wage growth and at unemployment rate at 3.5%, we will see stronger wage growth. That will also partly support spending. But nonetheless, 
disposable incomes are still falling for the majority of Australians. That's absolutely the key. So the question is, as you said, how are we adjusting to that? Now, we do know that the finances of around about 15% of homeowners with mortgages are coming under severe stress. The RBA, for example, in their latest financial stability review, estimated that 15% of owner-occupiers with mortgages will have negative spare cash flow in a year's time. That means Mm. that when you add up their loan repayments with their spending on essential items, that's going to exceed their incomes for those households, right? So in order to adjust to that, they're either going to have to cut back on spending or they're going to have to, you know, eat into their accumulated savings. Now, the RBA also tells us that Australian households do have savings buffers, but around 14% of households, that's a that's a significant number of households, they will deplete those buffers in just over a year's time. But in addition to that, Alison, 9% of households will deplete their buffers within a year. Mm. So on balance, we're going to see a large number of households, roughly about 10%, those households really becoming constrained in their ability to spend over the coming year. And that's going to drag down growth and it will cap any further rate hikes by the RBA beyond their next meeting in in May. So even though inflation in Australia will be falling, it's going to be slow to fall and it's going to be accompanied by rising rents and higher electricity costs and that's going to weigh on households' budgets and unfortunately I think it's going to lead to quite a significant slowing in, in household spending. Thanks, Matt. Really interesting. There's never a dull week in markets and, and economics and I think this week is no exception and Coming up next week, we've certainly got the US earnings season, some of the big banks reporting as well, which I think will be fascinating, particularly given some of the volatility we've seen in the regional banks there. So I think that'll be closely watched by markets. But Matthew, thank you again for joining me today. Always enjoy our chats. And thanks to our listeners for taking 10. 